Okay, welcome to the Metapod, a Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. Fuck you, Sean, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) You got it this time. Nailed it. Yeah, it only took the fifth episode. Uh, Make sure to bleep out that giant F-bomb. I didn't mean to do that. This is explicit. I'm super tired. I'm, I'm not like, so like, I'm not on my A game today. I'm on like the B or C game right now but we're making it work we got a lot of stuff that we want to talk about in this podcast sean's gonna carry hard carry this podcast today we're talking about results we're talking about the players cup because people were introduced into the 256 and now we have details about what's coming up next and we'll talk about kind of what the possible meta might be for the uh, players cup coming up and then we'll talk about um some new cards a full set list was announced in japan and then sean's got a soapbox segment we'll see uh we'll see if it's the last soapbox segment <laughs> what i for like me. For i don't me, know not for you not for you oh, okay cool i was gonna say i i kind of enjoyed the soapbox segments it gives me a little bit to look forward to, even if it stresses me out of what are we going to talk about? But it seems like every week <laughs> there's something that comes up that's like, oh, God, it's like that. It's like that meme in like Grand Theft Auto where it's like the person walking away and it's like, oh, shit, here we go again. Oh, shit. Exactly. That, again. That's exactly what the soapbox segment turns into. Well, let's just kick it off then with uh, some Players Cup action. How about that? Perfect. Positive. Um, there's been some results. In the past week, shout out to Cashman, always writing out all these results that I use. Gotta give him, gotta give him a shout out for that. Also, shout out to Cashman placing second in the Sunday Open, staying up till like 5.30 a.m. his local time um, to do that. So there were kind of three major events that went on in the standard format. There were two Hagster TCG top deck tournaments, numbers 11 and 12. It was five Swiss rounds, eight top cut, 26 and 27 players for the respected tournaments. Um, kind of two very different top eights. I feel like on Saturday, you look at the top eight for the Hexer tournament. Pika Ram, Dragapult, Control, ADP, Zashin, Zashin. Cool. You know, that's kind of, it's a little bit, you know, even though Pika Ram took three of the four spots, mm-hmm. pretty similar to what we would think would happen right on a normal given day. Sunday, Blacephalon, top two spots, also got seventh. Yeah, I mean... It's really interesting that Blacephalon did not make it in the top eight on one day, but kind of like dominated the second day. I don't know. That's really interesting in my personal opinion. Because you would think like archetypes like, yeah, like there's different players, but like archetypes overall probably generally have a better or have a more consistent... Would you think? I don't know if I'm explaining this right. I I think for me, I look at this and I just think to myself, okay, Pikachu, check. Dragapult, check. ADP, check. Zacian combo, check. Blacephalon, check. Like, there's like nothing in the top eight of either of these that's actually surprising. These are all the meta decks, right? Yeah. The only difference is that one day you had a bunch of Pikachu and Zekroms on top and the next day you had a bunch of Blacephalons on top. And like, you know, if it's only like a four round event, five round event, it is kind of, I think, tough to like, there is going to be some variance naturally. So I personally am not reading too much into the variation there because like what you're seeing though is still the same decks that everybody expects. I just thought it was weird that Blacephalon dominated one day and was non-existent in the other. 
I just thought that was weird. I mean, it but, literally may also be that a bunch of people, no, like nobody played Blounds the day before, and they were like, oh, shoot, nobody played Blounds? You know, I'm going to play Blounds today. And then everybody played Blounds. <laughs> they metagamed themselves. Me, me welder, me win. Yeah, but basically. In the Sunday Open, very exciting Sunday Open. As we mentioned, you know, Cashman made it in the top two. Good friend of ours. Um, shout out to him. This Sunday Open, top 16, had a Mary Mill slide into the 12th spot, which I thought was interesting. Um, had some people who kind of switches switch. I saw Malamar. Somebody played Malamar VMAX and Green's Reshazard. They kind of switched between the two and did very well with it. Placed within the top 16, which uh, kind of really interesting. I don't know if it was a position of like, well, I'm just going to alternate or if it was more of like, all right, I've seen this person here before. This is what they've usually played. So this is this is the better deck against it. Like, I don't I don't. It's very interesting to see, like, not only people who switch between decks, but also like two abstract decks that they switch between. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're that's a pretty weird combo. Um, I guess they're both kind of controlly in some ways. Greenzard and Malamar have, you know, mid mid game control elements to them so i, I kind of get that mm-hmm. but the person who switched between luke metal and blacephalon though at, at number eight i'm like wow that is a flip <laughs> you're like that's, a, that's like a huge difference that's playing yeah. like slow game in comparison to playing a thousand miles an hour right drawing yeah. 100 cards in one turn but to me what this might be is like you look at this and you think to yourself are these people maybe just testing different decks they might want to bring to the players cup right Mm-hmm. So overall, I think this last weekend, the main thing that stands out to me, ADPZ is kind of back in some ways. Yes. Um, and then if you think about the format that the Players' Cup is going to take, the, four, the Players' Cup is going to be best three at, two out of three. You know, it's a best of three format for the entire tournament. ADPZ is very good in a best of three scenario. Um, ADPZ stinks if you have a bad start. And then you just lose, yes. right? Because you don't you don't it's get your alter creation. But in a best of three, if you've built your deck very consistently, the odds of that happening are very low. And I think that actually is almost why you saw it fall off over the limitless qualifier, is because you know in the best of one every single time, like you're just sitting there, like I can't afford to have one bad game or two bad mm-hmm. games in this whole tournament. I think that makes a huge difference. So I think people. Playing ADPZ again, realizing that it's still good um, going into the Players' Cup, I think is a big development. And like you talk about the development and, you know, talking about Rebel Clash, the format overall. Again, Cashman posting another wonderful statistic and graphic. Shout outs to you. You're wonderful. Um, kind of listed every single deck in these tournaments coming up, um, whether that was like the Limitless Qualifier or the Sunday open, things like that, where decks specifically get like either a two or win a top four or a top eight and numbering off all of those things. So you look at kind of the top five decks. I think a lot of people could probably guess it. Dragapult, Pikaram, Zashian combo, Blacephalon, ADP. You know, probably that fifth spot is a little bit of uh, that fifth spot is a little bit up for debate. You know, some people might say like Luke Metal, some people might say Spear Tomb, um, that type of deal. Some people might say Control, 
Um, but that's the definitive top five. Do you agree kind of with this top five? Would you say that like, like if someone were to look at this list and say, these are the five decks that I'm going to face, would you make any differences to be like, no, you should really like, instead of worrying as much about this deck, you should probably start worrying more about this deck. No, I think that's a good list. I think, um, yeah, I, I don't see any reason to, to, to knock any of these off of that top five. The main things I would say is the three right below it. Those are the decks that are going to ruin your day. The top five drag, peak rom, Zacian combo, Blounds, and ADPZ. Those five decks are going to be the majority of the field. I think Luke, uh, Celio's network, made a great video mm-hmm. about this as well, and I think he's spot on. And, you know, like that will be very consistent for you in many ways. But I think if somebody was able, is able to, you know, build the right deck as a Luke Metal, a Spiritomb build, or even Obstagoon, if you can build the right version of that, I think you could go very far in this tournament. And I actually expect to see probably one of each of those make it into top 16 from North America or any other region. Like the percentage of people who entered the tournament with them and then converted into top 16, I think is going to be very high. Um, Just because I think that they are actually in a very good position if piloted correctly and built correctly. So if if you're supremely confident in those decks, I would actually run with one of those. If you are kind of like, I just want to have the best odds of, of making it into the next day or whatever, then the top five is probably what's for you. I think that control, somebody runs really deep with control. People are not going to be ready for control, like as ready as maybe they were for the Limitless Qualifier. Yeah, I think you're right. I think because at least the first couple of qualifier events, control and mill especially, were like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was what everybody was worried about. There was like, it's ADPZ or it's mill slash control, something like that. More mill than control, to be yeah. honest. True. Um, but then you had like the sleep. I played a sleep uh, control deck. It's like a control slash mill sleep deck. I don't know. It was, it was weird. My only thing about control is like if ADPZ is able to climb in popularity again, I actually think control suffers because you're taking so many prizes, right? Mm-hmm. Control needs to have a turn usually where Articuno comes out. Well, that's three prizes for ADPZ. And at some point during the game, your opponent is going to build up enough energy. You only have four crushing hammers, right? The games last long. And, and keep in mind, so I, let's talk about the format of Players' Cup. And th- that way, like, this will probably help a little bit. That's true, because I don't know a single thing about the Players' Cup schedule or how it's going to be run or anything like that. So the Players' Cup schedule is going to be every Saturday for, I think, the next four weeks. Uh, this first Saturday, every region is going to have their own tournament. Uh, North America is going to have their tournament. That's what I'm going to be competing in. It's the top 256 players, uh, according to the, you know, uh, tournament rep, at least. Yes. Um, And yeah, so what it is, it's best of three, and it is a double elimination format, meaning if you lose two games, you're out of the tournament. Um, And you basically whittle that all the way down till there's only four players from each region remaining. And that is going to be the end of the first phase. Day one is going to be top 256 down to 64. So with that, it's basically like, okay, it's probably going to be between three and five rounds. It's hard to say exactly how many rounds, but 
I would just bank on four rounds, right? Is a good is a good thing to consider. Now, I know if you win every game, your day will actually be shorter because like the number of people who have zero wins, I think will be out of 256 down to 64. There'll be 32 players who have zero wit, uh, zero losses. Once that gets to 32, which might be after just three rounds, you may only have to play three games in the winner's bracket and then you're done for the day, right? If you lose, it'll mm-hmm. probably be four rounds, I don't, maybe five, but these are best of three as well, which is another important factor. So you will get to see your opponent's deck before you start, um, which I think is a huge difference of like, it's going to be hard to surprise people with certain cards. So if you are playing Mareep Mill or something like that, your opponent is going to know exactly what you're playing, right? Um, and it's not like we're at, we're in a new format where something, you know, where certain combos are not known. Unless somebody completely breaks a deck at this tournament, everything that is going to be shown to you will probably be something you could be familiar with. And yeah, and then you play best of three and it's timed. So that's an important factor. Each of the games is timed. So that's where I actually think control may not do well. Um, where did you, did you say how long the time was? I mean, it's a normal PTCGO timer, right? So you just play three games and each game has to be timed. So it's however long a game on PTCGO is. So wait, so you said it has the PTCGO timer. So it's like, mm-hmm. obviously the game has to last within the PTCGO timer, right? Yeah. Completely doable. I've, I've done that many times on stream. I've done that before. But like the over, because you said best of three. So it's best of three of every one of those games with the timer. Yes. So like it, the timer's what? Well, how, long, how long is the I timer? I want to say it's like 25 minutes or something like that. 25 minutes, plenty of time, plenty yes. of time. So that 25 minutes resets every game. Uh, I, would, I would assume so, right? Like Pokemon has and no so way of like, forcing anything otherwise. You could theoretically take 24 minutes each game. Yeah. I mean, again, here's my, my, my fear. If I'm a control player, right? I, this is why I don't think control will necessarily be played that much. One, you have a bad ADPZ matchup. You just do. They're taking extra prizes. If you stick an Articuno on and a Zacian on, then that's, they only need two knockouts to win. And with control, you know, it takes a lot of time off the clock, a lot. Uh, and I won games on the tournament ladder. I got first place on one tournament because my opponent ran out of time. Yeah, but the tournament ladder... It's shorter. Yeah, it's way shorter. It's like, what, 13 minutes or something like that? And yeah, that's true. It is shorter. That this, said, is, this, is, this is ladder timers, which is... I, I don't think I've ever run out of time on ladder. And I play control a lot. Like, most of my points come from control. On ladder? I mean... Well, not on ladder, but like in IRL events. But again, IRL events is just, you know. Yeah, but I think it's, I think it's even, I think it's shorter. Like IRL events are like more like the tournaments because like the timer only goes when it's your turn, right? It's not in comparison to like an IRL event to where the timer is everybody's turn, right? Yeah, I suppose. I, I th- yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that you have so I like with, with you telling me that the timer like resets and it's like a, it's like a normal. Uh, I, I don't even know what to call it. Quick cue, casual ladder, casual, like getting your electric points or whatever. If that's the timer that we're going with and it resets every game, 
there's so much time for a control player. So I'm looking, I, I need to look at this because you might be right, actually. Like, if you think about that, that might be too much time. That is so much time for good. Like, I would, I would, if I was a control player and I was, if I was someone who loved control, which I do, and I was doing this, I would not worry about the timer. 100%. There's got to be, there's got to be like something. There's got to be, there's got to be like, if you do like the Neil Pie Open where there's like a 25 minute timer, there's got to be something like that. That is like 45 minutes. Like what a, isn't a regional like 45 minutes? I've never been to a regional. I think it's like 45 or uh, it's something like, minutes, I mean, right? Every, every tournament organizer can actually choose, but usually it's 50 minutes. Okay. So 50, if it was like a 50 minute thing, that's different. But effectively what you're saying or what, what, uh, what we've discussed is that the timer can be uh quick map 150 or not 100 an hour and 15 minutes like a best of three series like that's so long <laughs> that's so much time yeah. that's so much nicer because you have like that's so much time where you can where you can sit you can take a little bit longer to set up and you can figure out like kind of and you can maximize on mistakes because the longer the game is played the more likely that you know a person is going to be able to or the person is going to make a mistake both ways um okay so i really it's really wow interesting yeah i mean so that's the format um so maybe control's control not going to run good. the thing i don't think that control is going to run the players cup but i do think now that we've discussed what possibly the timer is i think it's going to be better that's than gross. a lot of these other events yeah i would yeah. advise if if anybody from t tpci is that is that the correct? I always yep. get that wrong. Yep. The okay. Pokemon TPCI. I would highly advise anybody that listens is working at TPCI to talk to Neopie about how to implement a timer. Yeah. Because it's run through Discord, right? You had you were invited to like a Discord. Yep. yep. Discord yeah. and Battlefy. So like run run that through Discord. You know, Battlefy has a timer as well built yeah. into it i believe right so use that timer i would assume that they're going to have a timer i would i just don't so. know why they haven't told anybody yet yeah because you're right it actually is now that i think about it it's kind of an unfair advantage for the control player oh it's god it's it's where it's you wonderful are. like because that's that relieves like so much stress honestly yeah. like as a control player you inherently have stress on the timer well overall though i would say yeah the top five decks that we already talked about, if, you know, and Luke, Celios Network talked about this. Personally, I do think Luke Metal um, could do very well. I think Luke Metal is one of those decks that, like, it has a good matchup against Dragapult, against Picarom, against Zacian Combo. And if you can find your frying pans, uh, it has a good matchup against Blounds. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's one of those decks that like even in its bad matchups, like you're talking about Blounds, like you just have a slow start mm -hmm. as Blounds. It's over. If you have a hot start against Luke Metal, it's it's a little bit more even, you know? Yeah. And so like for me, I'm like, OK, I play. I'm really tempted to play Luke Metal, honestly. And Obstagoon is one that like I know a few people are going to bring that because, again, I think Obstagoon, the right build of it can do well against Dragapult because of hitting it for weakness. And if you had Eveltal in there as well. And then outside of that, you're like, okay, well, what, what is Picaram? What's Zashin combo? What are all of these decks doing against you if you're playing Obstagoon, right? Mm -hmm. Like at, at a certain point, like Picaram, what, tries to paralyze you with uh, Choo Choo. That's all they got. 
I think uh, Obstagoon also could be like a deck that you see getting played and a deck that's not on here because, uh, you know, it's just not really, it isn't really brought to many events, but it was brought by like Trainer Chip and some others to keep in mind is Behem. I think Ooh. that that is a very interesting deck that if you're looking for a rogue deck to bring to this, Behem is a good choice. You're item locking your opponent, which is always good. And yeah, if you can set up a situation where you can Behem and not necessarily leave anything on the bench or you're a one prize deck, right? Your opponent probably only runs two, maybe three bosses orders. Make sure you have backups. Uh, you have some of these polka dolls. And uh, once they run through their boss's orders, you're good. So uh, I think a spread behem deck could also do really well. But that's my rogue call. Is Mew Mewtwo considered rogue right now? Because it's like not really meta. Yeah, it placed, it placed top eight in the uh, Limitless Qualifier. Or not the Limitless Qualifier. The, uh, the recent Neil Pie Open by Jake Santiago. I wouldn't call it rogue playing. as much as I would call it tier two. Okay. Because it's like... Yeah. Hmm. Because but I don't like, even. I think it, I just man. I, I don't think it's rogue because like, look, it's an archetype that has won regionals in some form or fashion. In the Rebel Clash format, none of them had necessarily done super well outside of um, outside of what Jake did with Galaxy Mewtwo, which is the new iteration from what he played in the in the Neopie Open. But it was it was uh, Nico. Nico won OCIC. Okay. Uh, Melbourne with Mew and Mewtwo and it was the uh, overall though I would say Mewtwo and Mew has a bad matchup with Blounds so mm -hmm. Blounds will show up in force and Mewtwo and Mew will not do well that's just the reality okay. right like unless you can dodge Blounds which maybe you can um, if you get lucky and you dodge because look you only got to play a few games a day so if your first couple of games two or three games you don't get paired with Blounds and you have the answers that you need. Like if you play a Picrom and you have uh, the Marshadow and Machamp GX, boom, easy, easy dub. Um, if you are playing as Dragapult and you have the Titar, easy dub, right? Like I could easily see a Mewtwo and Mew in that format doing very well. Yeah, eventually you'll hit Blounds and, you'll, and you're not going to have a great time. <laughs> is Blounds like, is it Blounds or Picrom that you would consider as the cheapest deck? cheapest Ooh, that's a tough one with all because the trainer, like i'm thinking new, um, yeah like with all the new stuff you know like the 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 peak around battle deck the trainer's toolkit which one's cheaper because like well cephalon overall is pretty pretty cheap right yeah i mean yeah, it only it only does like one zashian maximum it doesn't really play boss plays a few to denes but easy uh, maybe one to two. I don't even know if it really, I think it would just play one yeah. maximum. Plays in one comparison to, to like Picaram that plays like three. I think on PTCGO. Probably plays two boxes orders. It's, it's, yeah. I think they're both pretty cheap. I would still probably say Blounds is cheaper, but That's I think Picaram will be more played. I think so too. Picaram's just been around so long. Yeah. That most everybody who's been playing in the last year probably has most of the cards for it. The other thing, the only reason I think that Mewtwo and Mew may not do great, uh, I don't think Mewtwo and Mew has a good matchup with ADPZ because if ADPZ has, you know, Obstagoons in it, then, you know, they're doing 260, throw, it out, throw down an Obstagoon and you're knocking out Mewtwo and Mews. Zigzagoon. Sorry, Zigzagoon. Yeah, Zigzagoon. <laughs> and you're knocking out Mewtwo and Mews. And like, on top of that, you're sitting here with like, okay, well, I have the answer to ADP in 
uh, you know, Guardian, but Guardian also gives up three prizes to Zacian. So it's like, uh, it's not really the answer that you want, right? It's, uh, you're going to get one shot right back every turn. So I also think that's another reason Mewtwo and Mew is not going to, not going to do as well. Uh, ADPZ is also tough. I, you know, outside of that though, like I'm looking at the list and I don't really see any other real contenders. I mean, if you want to have fun, you can bring a number of these different decks, but I think if you want to progress, if you want to give yourself the best chance to, to do well long-term in the tournament, the top five are probably your safe bets. You would, you get to see the deck list much like in the limos qualifier, right? You see the deck list that they're yep. playing. Yep. Open deck. List. Okay. Yeah. Make sure that nobody cheats you because someone tried to cheat me in the Lomos qualifier. Yes, yes. Read your opponent. If you're playing in the uh, Players' Cup, read your opponent's deck list. Next week, we'll have some awesome meta results, hopefully, about oh, the, yeah. uh, the uh, Players' Cup. And now we'll, then we'll have that news for the next few weeks. Because we got uh, insider information from uh, our super secret agent. <laughs> um, his name is uh, Nias over here. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so yeah, I think that's all I really have. Do you have any other questions about the, uh, players cup or, or that it's probably enough information. This is a little bit of a meme question, but do you think it's going to crash? Cause it's on battlefy. No, I think it'll be fine. You think it'll be fine. You don't I, think there'll be, do you think there's going to be any major problem? Or are you confident that you I think it's think- going to be okay? I think people have been doing online tournaments now for what, three or four months. So my hope Mm -hmm. is that most of the people who are participating in the Players' Cup will have participated in some number of tournaments online. Um, Pokemon, I don't think is going to be very accommodating, meaning (laughs) they have rules that are written out that are like, we're going to start. If you are not here on time, it's a penalty. Uh, If you're not here within the first five minutes, it's a one-game loss. If you're not here within the first ten minutes... Because Battlefy gives you like that five minute yeah. or whatever. So I think Pokemon, like what Limitless will have done is Limitless, you know, is not is going to try to be a little bit more handholdy. Where I think Pokemon, assuming that everything technically runs correctly, um, I don't think they're going to be very handholdy because they know that this could become a big logistical nightmare if they do. So I, what I think is if you're going to compete in this, read the rules. Uh, they sent them to you in a PDF, right? A, more mm-hmm. than a week in advance. Read the rules. Know everything. Know when to submit your deck list. Because if you don't, I don't think, I think there's going to be a zero tolerance policy from Pokemon. So, yeah. and I think that's the right thing to do, right? You got to coordinate all of these people through different regions within the same time frame. You know, if you, if you mess up, then like that stinks. But like, that's the only way Pokemon can, can handle it, basically. Oh, Another quick question, very quick question before we move on to the next topic. Do you know if anybody who didn't make it in the top 56 got invited? So like the the theory that I had, and I think I mentioned this on the podcast, was I had no aspirations of playing in the Players' Cup, but I just wanted to see if like 200 tickets could make it in. Um, Which, by the way, I know someone that made it in with 88 tickets, so it was actually plausible to do it. Um, if you had literally zero at the start of the month. But anyways, um, if I got 257th and somebody in the top 256 backed out, 
Do you know if they send an email inviting that number 257? If you don't, that's well, fine. I mean, I, I don't know exactly for sure, but what I will say is uh, on the leaderboard, the last leaderboard that I saw, which may not mm-hmm. have been the last official leaderboard, but uh, a friend of mine here in New York, Chibi, he had 80 points and the cutoff was 81. And I saw him registered on Battlefy. So what? So it they says, must have done it. Well, yeah, well, I think what it says to me is that um, they haven't kicked anybody off because they didn't respond to an email. Because that, that, I don't think that's going to happen. I think if you don't respond, no, you they just would, get disqualified. Yeah. Um, Unless there actually, was like a specific date that it says like you have to respond by Tuesday. No, no. no. Um, I think what happened is they probably looked at the list and they said, okay, there's a few of the names on the list of people who are not masters, right? Or maybe don't actually live in the region that they said they did or whatever. So I think Mm. there were just some minor technical things they had to work through where there may have been a small number of spots after 256 on the official leaderboard that maybe got in because of technicalities, right? Okay. But I don't, I doubt it was very many, you know, yeah. 10, 15, but that just, that just makes my assumption, you know, I said that it was going to be a shit show that makes it a little bit better than what I was thinking. Cause it sounds like they're actually going to have a two fifty six person tournament where in comparison, or when I thought they would just be like, well, there's only 235. No, no, they, they are actually going to do 256. Um, again, assuming everyone registers correctly, uh, there, I would not be surprised if there are a no, small number of players who forget about certain things and thus it becomes a 250 person tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that's going to do it for Players Cup, I think. Do you want to kick it off? Uh, we're going to jump into some legendary heartbeat action. Jake, I know that you did a video where you looked yep, over I all did. these cards. Um, I don't want to look over all the cards, but I have the Poke Beach what? pulled up here. No, that's just too many. It's too many cards. But, but Sean, <laughs> how am I going to know about every single garbage card <laughs> in this set? But I want, I want to keep it down to like whatever your, your favorite cards from the set are. You tell me your favorites. And if there's any that I see that you didn't mention, um, then I'll, I'll jump in. But let's just talk about your favorites. All right. So before I kind of get into the favorites, um, if you don't know, Legendary Heartbeat is a set coming out in Japan on July 10th, which looking at my calendar, that is Friday. That's coming out on Friday. It was supposed to align with the movie Pokemon Coco's release, but the movie was delayed because of the coronavirus. But they're still they're still releasing it. Um, there's a new rarity called Amazing Rare, which you may have seen on like social media or something where it's like it's a normal baby Pokemon. So not like a V or V Max. Um, but it instead in the background is like a swirl of different colors, kind of like, um, tie dye almost. Would you say that's like an accurate description? It's almost like tie dye or like spray paint rainbow. Someone like spray painted a bunch of colors onto it. But anyways, they kind of cool looking. I like it. It's different, but anyways, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about kind of like the top cards that you have coming out of this, in my personal opinion. Now, I will say, Bennett, 
There's a baby Banette card, has the ability Devo Curse. Once during your turn, you may play this card from your hand to evolve a Pokemon. You may de-evolve one of your opponent's benched evolved Pokemon and put the highest stage evolution card on it into your opponent's hand. I think this could be really interesting in a deck like Dragapult. Um, you talk about how Dragapult spreads damage counters and, you know, they whack for just like little 130s, you know, and then they spread five or three, two, one anywhere, things like that. If you play, this is a little bit more combo-y than what I originally thought, but if you play something like a boss's orders, you know, you got a, you got a Cinderace VMAX in the active. I don't know why Cinderace was the first one I thought of, but you have a Cinderace VMAX in the active that has 240 damage on it. Boss's orders bring up uh i don't know little victini i guess evolve your shuppet into a bonnet de-evolve the cinderace v max into a cinderace v that 240 damage on it knocks it out so you knock out their cinderace v max i think that's a very very interesting combo because like originally when people saw this card they were like you know like just putting it back in their hand that doesn't really do much you know but it doesn't have to be like because i originally thought it was put it back in your deck so i was like whoa and then i thought like oh maybe it's not actually that good but then i'm like wait a minute comboing like this could be very interesting in my personal opinion having that like interaction of de-evolving these big giant pokemon that tank all these big giant damage just de-evolve them and their v's you know they don't they don't do they're not as bulky they're not as big so then you take you may you may take one less prize right but how far back does it actually put like it could put back somebody very very far now specifically with cinderace vmax maybe not because they have the cards like welder and stuff but like if you're talking about maybe a dragapole mirror where they're attaching one every single turn so you de-evolve their dragapole vmax into that v and they don't have anything on the bench that has any energy on it yeah. i don't know that's that's pretty i uh it's really cool. It's funny. I'm like looking at this now. I haven't really thought about this card. I think you're right. I think, um, I don't know about in Dragapult. I'm going to be, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I like Dragapult spread. Dragapult was just the, the, the first, first thing, thing that I yeah. thought of because like you spread all the damage counters and stuff and you, you usually have to take like multi hits on things in the format right now. So like yeah. that was just kind of my first yeah. initial thought. I'm sure there's a better thing, but I haven't really thought about like decks in Darkness Ablaze. Well, I mean, I think about that, and I think you're right. If you're playing against any VMAX deck, um, I'd look at this card, and I think to myself, man, this is the new combo for combo Zacian. Yeah. Imagine. I, Zacian does 230 damage, which is enough to knock out basically... I, I, it's basically any v. v that that evolves into a VMAX. Right? Not Waylord V. <laughs> well, it does, but it, it, it knocks out any V that evolves into a VMAX. Yes, 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 yes. So you're sitting there like, okay, well... I'm going to hit you with one Zacian. I have another one on the bench. You can have a four prize turn. You could bring another Zacian up, boss's order, Dedene, Crobat, whatever, play down this Banette. You knock out whatever you hit the, the previous turn. You knock out whatever's in front of you. To me, I actually see Banette. That could be a five prize turn. Uh, I mean, a six prize turn. Well, yeah, you'd have to with, set that. Uh, <laughs> A six prize turn if you were playing Jirachi Prism and ADP. Well, in expanded, yes. That would be maybe. insane. That'd be literally insane. Um, oh, actually, wait, but with ADP... Darkness the Blaze, Jirachi rotates, doesn't it? Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. Jirachi Prism rotates. So, but this could be the new Jirachi Prism combo because the only problem with that is 
you are playing a, in a form where like you're hitting something not for knockout. Right. Mm-hmm. And that means they can respond usually. So do you have a deck that can take whatever the response is to save, to like, to set that combo up on the following turn? But, you know, I agree. I actually think that that's going to be a really interesting thing to play around with. I think it's really cool. Yeah. I think it's cheesy and I like cheese, even though I'm lactose intolerant, but moving into the next card, another card that makes my lactose intolerant kind of hurt Al Kremi V max. I think this is a cool card. It's, it's like similar but different to Dragapult. It's, it's similar in the effect of how we're going to be able to set it up, I think. But um, Decorate, it's the first attack. It's colorless. It's a psychic Pokemon, 310 HP. For each of your bench Pokemon, search, for, search your deck for a psychic energy and attach it to that Pokemon. Then shuffle your deck. Pretty cool attack, in my opinion. That is uh, it's a way to get a lot of energy on the board, right? It's probably not something, ideally, that you want to use late in the game because uh you know that your opponent's probably set up a little bit but mm-hmm. the next attack is what i think is very very interesting g max finale two psychics 60 times damage discard any number of energy attached to your pokemon this attack does 60 damage for each energy card discarded in this way each energy card can be it can be a horror energy that's one thing to note so I'm wondering also if G-Max Finale works with uh, horror energies because um, it says you may discard any number of energy. Yeah. When I it's think it discarded, would. it... Okay, you think it does? Because it doesn't say... Now, this could be a translation thing, but it does not say basic energy. It just says energy. Yeah, so, it just says energy. Now, for me, the interesting thing about this is... So you could really play around with this. I know that the attack costs two psychic... But I wonder, man, there, there could be some crazy combos of this. Like, what if you played this in a welder deck, right? What if you played this with triple acceleration energy? Because attaching, discard any number of energy attached to your Pokemon. Well, a triple acceleration is three energy. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, well, okay, twin wait, energy on, if on. you attach it to the bench. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Holding. This attack does 60 damage for each energy card discarded in this way. Not each Oh, energy. okay. Read so, read the card. Read the card. So triple XL, not good. Yeah. Twin energy, not good. Just play psychics. Well, just play I turbo mean, patch. I think you could play welder. Yeah, you could do welder. Like but welder. I, man, that's like so hard to do welder, but you could play welder. I mean ADPL creamy VMAX. So you're telling me you're running fire. No, psychic, you don't have to play welder. You could just play the ADP. And, but the problem with this is this exists in a format where if you're running psychic energy on this, I just don't know how much energy you can attach because if you spend a turn, we're losing Malamar. Huh? Yeah, we're losing we're Malamar. Losing Malamar. Um, so you spend a turn using decorate, right? And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. gosh, like, is that one turn that I used? And then they hit me with Zacian, right? And then, they oh, yeah. And then out. you die because you're, you're weak because Alcremi's a fairy Pokemon. Yeah. So, Rip like, fairy. You know, there's there. I think you actually have to find a different acceleration here. Mm-hmm. Um, now there is an Alcremi in Rebel Clash. I want to say it is that also accelerates an energy onto the fields in some way, but I don't know the details. But um, anyways, or you could pair that with one of the um, you know amazing rares. I don't know if you want to talk about any of them, but I'll, I'll let you move on to the next one. Okay, we'll get to the amazing rares, but first. 
I want to talk about, well, no, I'll go into the amazing rare that I think you're talking about. Jirachi. Amazing rare. Ability, Dream Oracle. Once in your turn, if this Pokemon is your active Pokemon, look at the top two cards of your deck and put one of them in your hand and return the other one to the top of your deck. It's like Pidgeotto, but different. Yeah, same, same, but different. <laughs> but what's really interesting about it is the attack. Psychic, Fighting, Metal, Amazing Star. Search your deck for up to seven basic energy cards and attach them to your Pokemon in any way you'd like. Then shuffle your deck. See this, this for me is the combo without Creamy because... You can actually power this Jirachi up in one turn. Go behind on prizes, attach a karate belt. Check, that's your fighting energy. Metal saucer and a metal energy onto it, attach a psychic. This is actually a very achievable attack in my opinion. Um, so like, I think this could be a really interesting one to play with something like Miss Magus. Yeah, you go Miss Magus, karate belt. Yep, Miss Magus, karate belt. You draw a bunch of cards, put um, a metal into the uh, discard <laughs> and then you run basic metal psychic saucer. energies. That's a lot of comboing in my opinion. Yeah, it might be it too could much work, comboing. but that's a lot of comboing. You have to find the item. You have to get us. You, you have to get specifically a metal energy in the discard. Mm -hmm. You have to find your metal saucer. You have to have Jirachi on the bench when you use the Metal Saucer. You have to tr retreat whatever's in the active, which probably isn't the hard part about this. You know, there's there's definitely other things like, well, Jirachi with the skateboard. I mean, you could have like Jirachi in the active to help you out, like team up Jirachi, use scoop up nets. That's just another combo, though, that you have to hit. I I don't know. This is a lot of comboing. If you get it off, it's completely busted. It's insane. Like, it's crazy. But that's a lot to get off. You're right. And, and also it, it requires you to run like some sort of either Aurora or psychic energy, metal energy split, which is kind of weird. Yeah. All that said, though, that's one that I want to try uh, just because like I think that's the 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 busted combo. Like either you pair this with like a turbo Zacian build or something like that. Or you pair this with um, with the Alcremie VMAX, I think. Because I can see this in the thumbnails of YouTube <laughs> videos. I can see it already. I just, and that would be the cutest combination. You have like Jirachi and Alcremie VMAX in the same thumbnail. Like that's adorable. That's adorable. I get, I become viral. 100,000 views on YouTube. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think Jirachi is by far the most usable of all of these amazing rares. And it looks good too. Mm -hmm. It does. I mean, I think the amazing rares like look good overall, but... Yeah, that one's probably the most playable. But another card that is playable, we're talking about VMAXs again. I think Colossal VMAX. Now, this might be this might be a little bit of underdog for some people. 330 HP, four retreat costs. Goes well with the uh the the knee pads, whatever whatever that's called. What are the knee pads called? Buff Sean? padding. Buff padding, yeah. I just see them as knee pads or like braces, knee braces. <laughs> Anyways. Colossal VMAX, 330 fighting Pokemon, one fighting energy, eruption blast, 40 plus damage. Discard one card from the top of your deck. If that card is an energy, this attack does 90 more damage. Then attach that energy to this Pokemon. That's very interesting, in my opinion, of an attack. Okay, I was going to pair this up with stone energy, but I just reread stone energy where it says, as long as this is attached to a Pokemon, it provides fighting energy. So... I don't know if it's considered an energy card before attachment, like I was mentioning earlier with horror. That's your attachment for turn. 
and then you put some yeah. other energy on the top of your deck with a Rangaroo. I was thinking you could, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, but I was thinking you could do like a double stone energy oh, attachment. Yeah. No, I, I don't know if that's um, something. I don't know if you could do that, but you could accelerate energy. And I think I've said this on the podcast before where like fighting decks, the reason that they've kind of struggled is because they don't have acceleration. Like they don't really have that type of acceleration that make it effective outside of an attack. Now, this one is doing like 130 damage, which I think is a pretty decent like chip shot. You know, you can put down the... um the dojo to do 140 at least or you know 170 or 170 if you're behind on prizes you know maybe you, maybe you use like a miss magius right mm-hmm. and then therefore you can use the uh, karate belt to make your second attack hitting for 240 um only three energies only three fighting it or wait is it yeah it would only it be takes away no it's a, it would yeah it'd be two fighting energies and then one colorless energy um, 240 is a little bit underwhelming for me personally. You one shot in a turn to this. I mean, right. And then yeah. we got the colossal baby. Pair that up. You know, you slap Pikarami, slap Eternatus. Those are like two really big decks in the format right now. Not to mention that you can effectively make yourself with buff padding. Um, yeah, enormous. Yeah, you can make yourself enormous alongside the stone energy, alongside Dragapult being like <laughs> only hitting you for like 80 damage a turn, right? It probably eventually, maybe, I don't know. It does like more damage with with uh the whatchamacallit. The the damage the five damage counters that it spreads rather than you if you just attach it every single turn, which is pretty insane in my opinion. Um, so I don't know. Colossal could do well. It's got a grass weakness. Like what's, what's the best grass deck that's going to come out? Like Decidueye of Darkness Ablaze doesn't hit for very much. Still has to like two or three shot you. I mean, the Decidueye though slaps this deck no matter what, because you can't hit Decidueye. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be able to hit Decidueye, but I don't even know if like that might be one where you just like kind of just take that L or maybe hit with like other baby Pokemon like that colossal. Yeah, exactly. You know, that I mentioned earlier, the pre-release promo. Um, I agree. I think it's fascinating that like they seem to be speeding up the, um, the rate at which they are countering their own creations. Like mm-hmm. we made Dragapult VMAX. Isn't this so great? Oh, by the way, here's Eternatus VMAX. And everybody's like, uh, okay, um, cool. All right. Eternatus VMAX is coming out next month, guys. But just wait, we have Colossal VMAX, and that, that Oko's Eternatus with one energy. Do you want to move on to the next one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Togekiss VMAX is a little bit underwhelming at the beginning, but people are starting to, people are starting to hype this up a little bit. Free Retreater, I think that's interesting to note. Normal, 310 HP, weak to lightning. Two energies, 120 Max Glide. Search your deck for up to two cards and put them in your hand, then shuffle your deck. What is the normal special energy that was announced? Because I cannot find it. I think it's called Powerful Energy or something. It basically Powerful Energy? It adds 20 damage to your attack. Yeah. So you can effectively try to with this card, whatever it is, you can effectively one-shot or I'm sorry, not one shot, two shot. That's what I meant. 
you can try to two shot most of everything in the meta if you have enough on it. I'm still like trying to figure out what is going to make this card so good, especially because we have Marnie and we have reset stamp. You know, the two cards that you search for. Okay, well, Marnie. Okay, yeah. well, reset stamp. Yeah, that's. Uh, is this a control deck incoming? I think it has to be, right? I agree. Like, I think you can reach for two shots on everything. I've even thought, like, you know, is this a control deck, like an ADP and Togekiss VMAX deck? So you, because it's colorless energy, so you can play any energy. If you did ADP, then you're hitting 150. Throw a couple of those powerful energies on and you're at 170 or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that it has to be control. Because if you don't control whether or not your opponent has Marnie or Stamp in hand, then the benefit of searching two cards is kind of pointless, right? Well, think, let's think about the different control cards. So you have Sincino. You don't have a Rangaroo. So this will be, be dependent on like taking prizes, right? Yes. You have to take prizes to win. There's, there's probably not an opportunity with Tokyo's VMAX to, to mill out your opponent. No. You know, you do have Chip Chip Ice Axe. You have, you have your Sensinos. I already mentioned that. You still have Lieutenant Surge. Well, would you even play Lieutenant Surge? You could. Because like if, you're, if you're trying to take six prizes, I guess you could use it like early game. Yeah, I think... Um... If you really wanted to go hardcore, I'm really thinking that there's a there's a new Obstagoon that's coming out in Darkness Ablaze. Oh that, yeah, there is. Yeah, the ability is your opponent discards until they have four cards in their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think pairing that maybe with something like this, and then you know you if you can um, play Jesse and James, make them discard two more cards. Um, basically whittle their hand down where that where where if you did surge double jesse james with togekiss vmax and obstagoon put your opponent in a zero card hand that's very controlly right that's also four cards that you have to have in your hand that you have to get rid of that is true on top of the surge and double Jesse. yeah that's that's seven cards yeah it's a lot is that like really plausible i mean there is an engine I mean, I'm going to start giving my ideas away here, but but there's an engine that also runs Sil Valley GX and Rose that I think. Oh be yeah, I forgot about Rose. So like, I forgot about that. Sil Valley GX lets you draw till you have five cards in hand, and then you've got Rose, which can accelerate whatever energy onto this thing. Not that it needs a lot of acceleration. I mean, two energy is not that crazy. Yeah, I think there there might be ways to get this. I think it's going to be tough though because 310 HP is not a lot. So hmm. I think that maybe this has to sit behind another tank or I don't know, like you kind of need to get the lock in before you bring this guy up to start doing damage and searching out cards every turn. It's weird. I'm like trying to think about how I would want to do it and how people are because I've seen people like talk about how it's good, but I haven't really seen anybody talk about like what makes it good. They're just like, oh, God, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, I think that's the problem, right? Like if you look back, Charizard and Brakeson has, you know, a very similar attack. You do 180 Yeah, plus it has Welder. Yeah, and it has Welder. You're right. Uh, It's a four energy cost, but whatever. You have Welder. It does 180 damage, which is even more. And you still search two cards in your deck. And you know how much play that card sees? Zero. Mm -hmm. So 
I I do worry that like the uh, the added effect is amazing, but I don't know of any decks that have been built to date that can ensure that that effect is actually put to good use. Sean, what about you? What what what? We've been going a long time. What what is uh, this this podcast episode's long? What are you excited about in this? I'm just going to say there's only one card more that I think is worth talking about. I'm looking for it. And it is Lugia. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, continue. Yeah, I've seen this card. Oh, my gosh. This Lugia, wind pressure for four colorless energy. I'm not even talking about its first attack. Four colorless energy, 250 damage on a basic one prize attacker. If your opponent has five or less cards in their hand, this attack does nothing. So the I think it is somewhat balanced by that modifier. You know, if your opponent sees that you throw this down and you're building it up, they can be like, okay, quick ball down below five cards in hand. And then (laughs) you're no, you don't even have to have below five. You have five or less. It's just five. Oh, yeah. So I I do a lot. This is easy, I think, to play around for the opponent. So the question is, okay, what do you play with this? Things like surprise box could be good. That does not rotate. That isn't team up. Yeah. Um, So like things like surprise box could be nice. Look, it's easy to play around, but I do think that um, maybe you play this with, ooh, ooh, I know what you play this with, Luxray. Not Luxray, sorry, Vikavolt, Vikavolt. Oh, the item lock? Yes, you item lock your opponent so they can't play any of the item cards from their hand. And then you just build up this Lugia for the 250 knockout. I find it interesting because I feel like this is going to be a card that is better when you can just lay it down right away and then attack with it in the same turn in comparison to, because like you say, like, yeah, you know, you'll have to get item lock or something or else they're just going to be able to play around it. Or you're going to have to combo Marnie surprise box, which is hard when, when Marnie shuffles your hand as well. Right. So I think that this, this card is very exciting. 250 is a whopping amount of damage. What knocks out a Pika Rom. Very, very cool. I don't know. It's just like it's four energy costs. If it was a three energy cost, make it happen, Captain. We have multiple ways to be able to do that. But four, four is a lot harder to hit. I know. You could play this in a welder deck. You could welder for two, attach a twin energy, and that's you could. And then you're ready to go. I don't know where this lives, but you know, I think you could play energy switches maybe, depending on the deck you're playing. If you're playing tag teams, you could even play tag switch. To the point that you were making of like, how do you bring this out of nowhere to do 250 damage? Yeah, like that's the way that I see this working. So you have to bring it, you have to, you have to throw it down and in that same turn you have to attack. Yeah. Cool but, card though. Yeah, that, so that was the one card that I'm like, you know, I don't know where it lives. I don't know how many you put in whatever deck, but definitely potential. This is going to be the part that Sean gets up on his soapbox and he uh, he's got something big to talk about, something very, very important to talk about. Um, I'm going to try to keep this one fairly short and sweet as a soapbox. But if you are, you know, on Verbank or Hayfonte or whatever, or maybe even just Twitter, you may have seen a store called, you know, what? I don't even know if I want to name it, but, you know, it, I'll, I have to name it so you know what I'm talking about. There's a store here in um, Long Island called the Store of Fire and Dice. Um, 
and they are being called out for a number of things that they're displaying in their store, the trophies, et cetera. And also uh, the, the fact that they're hosting, you know, in-person events right now and not requiring any sort of masks or, or personal protective equipment um, at the events. And this is New York City where whether or not you want to follow the, the state order, there is a state order out that you have to wear masks indoors at businesses. Suffice it to say, there's obviously a lot of debate that you can, that you can have. Um, you know, I don't necessarily want to direct people to go find these posts, but it sort of all got, it got kicked off in two ways. One, the store owner has a trophy belt of some sort uh, for his event that features, you know, iconography on it. And, you know, people can debate what that iconography means. There is a silhouette of Donald Trump. There is a, a hand sign that can be interpreted in numerous ways, but the simplest way to visualize it for you at home is an OK symbol. There is a you know, picture of Pepe the Frog, uh, which is a popular meme. And then there is also um, a picture of a flag called uh, a Keck flag, I believe it is. Kekistan. Yeah. It's, and so, I mean, I can tell you what all of these things might or might not mean. Uh, obviously, the Donald Trump symbol uh, silhouette is obvious. The Kekistan flag, it's like, you know, certain meme corners of the internet um, Keck is a term that also just kind of roughly means LOL. I'm not really too super familiar with this terminology, but you know, the flag is sort of a meme flag that can also be used by people who lean conservative. Uh, I'm going to put that as, uh, generously as possible. And then the other two images, you have Pepe the frog, which was a meme that was created, um, just by an artist, you know, as a character, a cartoon character, and was co-opted by, you know, alt-right, if you want to call them that, um, which I, I do, but, uh, you know, co-opted by alt-right people and used in many ways uh, that you could obviously see as racist, even though that wasn't the creator's intention, but that's how it has been used and how people see it in some circles. And then the last one is the OK symbol, which, uh, you know, other people might also think, oh, that, that is a symbol for white power. Now, the point of all of those symbols, you know, you can say that they are right or they are wrong. Um, and then you get into a debate about whether or not the intention of the owner of this store making this, this belt is to showcase white nationalism or what, right? Um, personally, uh, I would guess that I, you know the owner of the store also has uh, a, a wife that is uh, a person of color of some sort. Uh, but you know, I don't know if he is in in and of himself racist. I don't know if that is the message he's trying to send. But that is not the debate that we need to have about that specific choice of his as a store owner and and card shop um, proprietor and and somebody who runs events in the Pokemon community. What people really need to think about with that is the judgment that was made by a card shop owner to even make that sort of, you know, title belt to give away to patrons at all. Uh, because, you know, he's clearly trying to send some message with that. And the message, uh, if you read it the most generously, 
is at least a message of, I don't agree with progressives, liberals, you know, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I don't agree that, you know, we should be forced to close down our store um, because it was called a freedom protest, the event that he held because of coronavirus. Um, So, you know, at minimum, it is a a trophy that is ridiculing people who are concerned about coronavirus and rightly so. That's the stand I'm willing to take. Um, It's ridiculing those people um, and using iconography that, you know, at a minimum, people that have conservative views use to ridicule, um, quote unquote, snowflake liberals, right? Because they, you know, will fall back on, oh, it's just a joke and you're just being too sensitive uh, by saying that you think that it's uh, a racist terminology. So at a minimum, you have a store owner and somebody who is sanctioned for Pokemon events and Wizards events or were sanctioned for Wizards events, creating an atmosphere that is clearly not welcoming to a number of people. At a bare minimum, that's what this individual is doing. So I don't think that it matters whether or not you want to argue whether or not that is actually a racist thing that he's doing or not. Anyone who tries to make that argument against you, if you're like, I don't like this because I think it's inappropriate, I think they are baiting you and I think they are gaslighting you. And the real question we should be asking is why is this individual who hosts sanctions events for Pokemon, which is a place where children go to participate, why is this person deciding that they need to take a stand against you know, state guidelines and health mandated guidelines? The other thing that happened was they, they were holding events and there's pictures of nobody wearing face masks sitting next to each other. And the owner saying, we're not going to make them wear face masks because it's unconstitutional. And, and then when people are upset at him and say, well, you know, this isn't cool. And we're glad that Watsi took away your, you know, uh, ability to run sanctioned events. And we're going to make sure Pokemon does the same. Everyone gets upset like, oh, you can't do that to him, blah, blah, blah. I think it's important to remember that he is, I suppose, allowed to do and say whatever he wants. Uh, It is his right to do those things. But freedom of speech is not freedom from consequences. And I think that's a very important distinction that needs to be made for anybody out there. We are not saying that this person is not allowed to make this title belt. What we are saying is that we are then entitled or allowed, if you will, to be upset about it and to tell Pokemon. And let's be frank, Pokemon is a conservative company. Uh, not conservative like politically, they are a conservative company in that they don't want to associate themselves with controversial figures or topics or whatever you want to call it. So in a time of coronavirus, if one of their stores is acting against their own internal policies by holding events where no protective equipment is being used and flouting local regulations, even if you don't believe they're constitutional, When that is happening, Pokemon has to look at that and say, what do we agree with? Like, do we want to say this is fine? And then when, you know, local card shops do it everywhere and a bunch of kids get sick, that's going to look bad on them. Or do they want to take a stance that says, this is not something that we endorsed and this person is no longer allowed to run sanctioned events. So that's my soapbox. You know, I, I think that it's important if you are debating this on Heyfonte or Verbank or whatever, just to remember that. It's not about what the exact meaning of those icons are. It's about why 
this store felt the need to do this in the first place? And is that an appropriate thing for a sanctioned Pokemon card shop to be doing? I will just state my real quick two cents. I think there's a lot of problems with this. Obviously, as Sean talked about, um, what one thing I don't think you did mention is in the post, um, there are screenshots of it. The the store owner specifically calls the coronavirus Kung Flu, which I think is incredibly uh, inappropriate to say the least. Inappropriate, yes. Especially also when you're implying that, you know, the uh, wearing a face mask, having being forced to wear a face mask is considered unconstitutional. You know, there's like Sean said, there's the state. Uh, There's a state order right now in New York. State order. Yes, that's the word. Where like in in businesses, you have to wear a mask. There's a reason. There's a reason for that because the coronavirus kills people. It's very, very contagious. Not good. It's not like a common cold. I don't know how enforceable these state mandates actually are in a constitutional sense. That is yet to be argued. But I will say it is... Uh, un- it's, it, it's an impeachable, not impeachable like legally, but it is certainly a characteristically impeachable offense from a uh, health and safety perspective because the data is clear. If people spend time together indoors, there is a much greater likelihood that the coronavirus will be spread. So making people not wear masks and, uh, and then allowing them to sit that close to each other and, you know, not making people not wear masks, but not forcing people to wear masks inside... It just puts people at a health risk. So I don't care about the legal aspect of it. I think Pokemon is not going to care either. I think what Pokemon should look at is like, is this a store that we think is appropriate to hold sanctioned events? And Pokemon has every right to tell a story yes or no, based on a variety of different factors. Um, And so that's, I think that's just the reality that they got to live in. Okay, you can go and do this thing and make your stand uh, up up on Stupid Hill, right? But like, you know, don't be upset when the people that you work with uh, don't agree with that. And they are also well within their right to say, we don't want to work with you. How about that? That's my soapbox on it. Uh, I don't want to belabor this one anymore, but uh, yeah. Just have a fucking common sense. That's really all we're asking for. You can have your own opinions in your own time, but don't put other people at risk with your stupidity. I would say if anybody listening, if you feel strongly about this as well, about what they're doing, the best thing you can do, honestly, don't, don't write any notes to this person. They don't seem to care. Um, just write to the Pokemon Company International, report them for this, you know, violation of state mandates and request that they, you know, that actions be taken and that they potentially lose their ability to hold sanctioned events. But they will, especially when it talks about the health and safety of other people. It's certainly uh, certainly something that they consider heavily. You know, they they run a store where the person has openly stated it is unconstitutional to force people to wear a mask. You know, people they the store has stated that they will give masks to people people who ask. But the point of a mask is is everybody has to wear them because it's not about the mask doesn't protect you, the wearer, from getting it. It protects other people from getting it if you have it. That's the point of the mask. So if not everybody chooses to wear it, nobody should even bother, basically. 
And it's like we jo- people have joked around about TPCI. You know, they don't care about the Pokemon trading card community and they don't care about the players and all this stuff. And we joke around about that, but they do care when it comes to the health and safety. That's their that's where they for sure like that's just what I, I don't know. Yeah. And that's my that's my five cents. I yeah. I put a little bit more than two cents in. Yeah, and I would say if you have kids, double for you. Oh yeah, if, if you, you have, have kids, go yeah. Whew, if let, you got kids, don't let your kids go here. But I think that's gonna wrap it up for us. I think I, that we've we've been going a long time, a very long time. I will say leave a re- wait, do you still have a recording? Yeah, yeah, it's still recording. Oh yeah, leave a review. A lot of people have been sending myself and Sean very, very awesome, nice words. How they like, they love the podcast. They love, you know, all these things and shout outs to you. I love that. But if you really want to, I mean, I wait, that's a bad way to say it. Leave a review. <laughs> Just leave, leave a review. A review. Also yeah, awesome. no, because if you leave a review, you know, it gives us good ratings. It gives people more justification. You know, when they come across a podcast, they're like, oh, maybe I want to read the reviews to see if this is actually good. Um, the reviews are a great way to convince someone to at least give us a listen. So, as my so I love one said five stars, five stars. Yeah. Five star review me, please. I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you some peanuts. I guess I got a, I got a bag of peanuts here. You know, you want a bag of peanuts. I will, I will courtesy for everyone that sends a five star review. I will send a, uh, no bag of peanuts that don't promise that sean will send a bag of no peanuts. no okay sean has an infinite stash of peanuts he works he, no. he lives next to the peanut factory no okay he like, will bag up five stars will, i'm bye. signing us off jake bye bye, bye. Love you guys. everybody